Thank you, Jesus. I know it's trendy these days to be dismissive of prayer and to be dismissive of this idea that prayer can actually be transformative. But I'm gonna hopefully by scripture show you how powerful, how specific prayer is to us. I'm gonna pray for you this week and I'm gonna ask and encourage you to pray for me this week. Not just one-off prayers, but I'm just gonna have a continual prayer for you I'm going to have a kind of prayer that's going to make you not want to quit kind of prayer. I want the kind of prayer that is incessant, that can almost be described as grating. Like you're going to get to the end of this prayer and think, isn't this over yet? No, I'm going to keep on praying for you. I remember when we were young, we used to be, every time we used to go before, I think it was even before we got to church, Sister Sonia, we used to sit down and around mom and dad's bed and pray before we got to church. I pray for you, you pray for me, and watch God change things. The problem sometimes with our prayer is that we're looking for the wrong things from prayer. <laughs> you're looking for that, you're looking for solutions and God's giving you direction because when you get up from prayer you're supposed to go do something <laughs> you thought if you think prayer is a magic trick you're going to be disappointed if you think prayer is something that's going to strengthen you for what's coming then we're on the same page I pray for you you pray for me and watch God change things I need to show you a scripture if you, before you take your seats, I just want to read this into your hearing. It's from St. Luke 18, and we're going to read verses 1. I'm going to go from verses 1 through to 8. Thank you, Lord Jesus. St. Luke 18, 1 through 8, and if you can remain standing for the, for the, in reverence to the Word of God. St. Luke 18, verses 1 through 8. And he spake a parable unto them, to this end. He spake a parable unto them for a specific reason. Let me, let me get into what he says. That men ought to always pray and to not faint. The whole reason why he's about to do this, speak this parable, to repeat this parable to the people of God was for this reason. That men ought to not just pray, not to just pray sometimes, but to always pray. And the, the thing that's really, really important here is you don't get discouraged while you're praying. Like the reason, only reason why he's bringing this up isn't just to make sure you pray, but it's to make sure you pray continuously and you don't faint and you don't get dejected and you don't get discouraged. Let me read it into your hearing and you can take your seat. Verse two, saying, there was a sit in a city, a judge, which feared not God, neither regarded man. And there was a widow in that city, and she came unto him saying, avenge me of mine adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, though I fear not God, nor regard man, Yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she 
weary me. Verse 6, and the Lord said, hear what the unjudge, unjust judge saith. And shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them? I hope you're getting what I'm saying. I tell you, he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of the word. Please take your seats. Hallelujah, glory to God. So grateful to be in communion and fellowship with you this morning. I'm excited as always about the word of God and what it means for us, what it means for our life with Christ. I am, as, you, as I'm sure you are, you're constantly thinking about scripture and you're, you're rolling it over in your, in your mouth, so to speak, as you think about how you're gonna digest this one how you think about how you're going to receive this one. And as I, as, as the person who's called to, to preach and to teach, I think about how I'm gonna give this one. I was looking at this scripture because I was convinced sometimes that I think we shortchange prayer. I think sometimes we have the wrong opinion of prayer. I think today when we, when we read the scripture today, in fact, no, not we read the scripture, but the minister led us in prayer today. He said, we're gonna pray as Jesus taught his disciples to pray. And the very first word of the Lord's Prayer is our. <laughs> he, he completely dispenses with the singular as he asks you to enter into prayer. He completely asks you to avoid the singular terms when it comes to prayer. And he says, you, says to you to say our Father. Immediately he's saying right in the middle of prayer that a centrally centered, singular centered prayer is almost not right. He needs you to speak to a father that isn't just father to you, but father to us all. It's not just your father you're praying to, it's our father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. He's asking you to immediately come out of this idea that it's simply about you, it's more than you. <laughs> and so I wanted to dive into prayer today to kind of unpack some of this idea of what prayer is. Sometimes I think we overlook it. Sometimes I think we think it's the wrong thing. We think it's, we, we, we have a misunderstanding about what it is. And hopefully by example in scripture today, we get to understand the power of prayer. Like it's not just about a chat or getting things off your chest. <laughs> Sometimes we enter into prayer thinking that's all it is. But I'm asking, I'm asking you to believe for a moment that it is your opportunity to petition the Lord and to get relief from him and the help you need. This isn't just about daily reciting some scripture or some song to the Lord or to yourself, but it's about a communication opportunity between you and the Lord. If you need to get things done in this city, you need to have a phone call with the people with the authority to get things done. If you decide, hey, my street light is out, you don't just complain about it into the air, you pick up the phone, you get in contact with the city, and you make your petition known. <laughs> Once you've lodged your petition, and frankly, the power of, of lodging your petition with the state, with the agents of the city or the state or the federal government, the power of this is amplified the more people are involved with it. <laughs> 
So if I just send a letter to my politician, he may ignore it. If 10 of us send it for the same specific issue, it's a lot harder to ignore. Now, if 50 of us, <laughs> you see how it works? I pray for you, you pray for me, and watch God change things. So it's not necessarily a solo effort. So when I'm calling you into prayer, it's because I need our Father to come to our help. You, you understand what I'm saying? I'm doing, I'm praying this prayer because I believe that he can change things for us. But before I get into the collective of prayer, I need to get into the St. Luke 18 of prayer. <laughs> so we start St. Luke 18 and Jesus is saying, I'm gonna, I'm gonna at the start of this parable, tell you why I'm giving you this parable. Usually the other way around. We usually hear the parable and we wait for the translation. This time, I'm, this time Luke's pitching, the, 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 as they say in baseball, it's a fastball pitch right down the middle. He's telling you what it's coming. And I need you to get this because it's important. So in this particular story, in this parable, he grabs a judge and a widow. A judge and a widow. This is important and it's very interesting. A judge is on one end of the spectrum of authority and a widow is on the exact other end of this authority spectrum. <laughs> the judge has authority, he has influence, he decides what's right and what's wrong, he decides who gets to be compensated and who doesn't, a judge decides who goes to jail and who doesn't. He decides who lives and who dies. This judge decides everything. To be truth, the truthful is if you have a mayor and a judge, the truth is a judge is a bit more powerful because a, a, a mayor by himself can't put you in jail. Can't do it. If he needs to stop you, he needs to go get a judge to go do it. Judge determines freedom. Judge determines incarceration. The judge has actually more power. The judge looks at the law and says, it says this, this, and this. And I'm interpreting, inter interpreting that in this way to mean you get six months. But then he can turn around five seconds later and say, you know what, for you, four months. And no one can say a word. The judge has the final say. On the other end of this spectrum of authority, though, is this widow. <laughs> a widow is somebody who was married and has lost their husband through death. And a widow today is not what a widow was in first century AD. Not the same thing. In the first century AD, once you became a widow in this particular part of the world, you didn't just lose a husband, you lost your property. You didn't just lose a husband, you, you lost your standing in society. It was a patriarchal society. Men, men were essentially the only, the only people with wielding authority. In some places, they were the only ones who could be landowners. This was agrarian society, which means if you don't have land, you can't eat. 
You can't make, think, put things in the ground. And in fact, in many cases, when a, somebody became a widow, not only did they lose the land that they would have, they could lose it to the brother of the husband. They could lose it to the son of the husband. They could lose the land to their own sons. So economically, this is the most uh, marginalized group there is. Socially, economically, she has no power. She can't petition anybody. She's not a voting citizen. She doesn't have this authority. She can't influence anybody. <laughs> the only thing this woman has going for her, the only thing is her persistence. She has nothing else. She doesn't have money. She doesn't have land. She doesn't have a name. She doesn't have strength or power. She doesn't have a people to back her up. All she has is her persistence. There was a whole industry around exploiting wind widows in first century AD. There were whole industries designed to take away whatever they had. They would take away their land by force, people around them, their neighbours would take away what they had. That's why in Acts chapter 6 you see um, that the apostles decide to do something specifically for the widows. When they instituted the deacons, they said we've got to make sure the widows are taken care of because they're so economically vulnerable that we can't leave them to themselves. So now that you understand the two extremes of this relationship between the judge and the widow, let's go back to the story one more time. And there was, there was in a city a judge, verse 2, which feared not God, neither regarded man. Didn't care. This is a, a person who's got into authority without the morals we would assume you would need to serve in that position. He doesn't have the morals. He doesn't have the spiritual depth. He doesn't love God. He has no respect or honor for man or God. You would think that would be the baseline for this position. But now we have what we would refer these days as a crooked judge. You are unjust. You are not good. You are doing this probably for your own benefit, simply because you can. Right? You are, you are dispensing judgment. Maybe you're taking bribes under the table. Maybe you're that kind of crook. Maybe you are, maybe you are doing this just to embolden people you're related to, but it's not because of justice, it's not because of God, and it's not because of decency. So verse 3, And there was a widow in a city, sorry, in the, that city, and she came unto him, saying, Avenge me of mine adversary. So somebody had taken advantage of this widow in her weakened state and she had all her property, I assume, taken away for her or she could have had her money stolen. But either way, she knows exactly who it is that's done this to her. And she goes to the judge and says, look, you're going to have to help me. You're going to have to get me justice. <laughs> this woman has come to this judge that fears neither God nor man and has asked for justice. And let's look at what he says. And verse 4 says, And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, Though I fear not God, nor regard man, yet because this widow troubleth me, <laughs> I will avenge her. 
lest by her continual coming she weary me. By her continual coming, he says, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to take help you at all. This unjust said, I'm not going to help you. I have no reason to. It doesn't profit me. It doesn't give me any advantage. Why would I help you? The only reason why this judge continues to assume that he has to help this woman is she's obviously been there more than once at this point. We don't actually know how many times she's been there. But he realizes, I'm not going to be able to stop this woman from coming to me. Like, she's, I'm sending her away with no justice. I'm sending her away with giving her no aid, no support. But she keeps showing up again. So for my own sanity, I'm going to take care of this situation for her. Because if she showed up repeatedly, there is reason, no reason at all, she won't continue to come back. Now, we already said that the judge at one spectrum has all the power, all the authority. And the only thing this woman has is persistence. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Come on, come on. Like she has determined in herself, oh, you're not going to give me justice? I'll see you tomorrow. I'll see you in an hour. I've got nothing to lose at this point, so I'm going to come back and get, until I get justice, I'm coming back day after day after day after day after minute after minute until you give me what I do. (laughs) This is what, this is a fascinating parable because Jesus for the first time or one of the few times has put himself as the position of worst case scenario for you. The worst case scenario for a loving God is that he's not loving at all, that he's unjust. And he's saying, even if I was unjust, if you keep coming to me, you see what I'm saying? Even the Lord is saying, think about this. If the Lord himself was unjust, if I have to go into some crazy part of my mind and suggest if he was unjust, if you just keep coming, glory to God, if you just keep coming at me repeatedly over and over again, thank you Lord Jesus, I'm going to have to do it, even if I don't want to, I want to hear this every day. We quit on prayer too quickly. I, we have to pray so that the Lord says, you know what, I'm going to give him this stuff. I know what kind of prayer he prays. I know how prayer looks like for this one. You're not going to weary my patience with this prayer. Let me give you what it is you are asking for. Too, we are too quick to give up on prayer. We, we give up on prayer if we don't see it coming in one day. Two weeks, we stop, we're done. We get the impression from Luke 18 that this guy had had enough, was done with this situation. We get the impression that he didn't want to hear it anymore. So I'm going to give you what you do because I don't want to have you come back to me. And Jesus says, did you hear? And let me go to verse 5 and 6. He says, yet because this widow troubleth me, 
I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. Because she's going to keep coming at me and get on my last nerve. I'm going to give her what she wants. And then Jesus said in verse 6, Hear what the unjudged judge saith. I need you to hear what the thought process is of somebody who's not just is. He's saying, I'm not going to let you bother me so much that I don't do what you say. I'm going to go ahead and do it now. Jesus is essentially saying, you have a loving father who's not even unjust. And you're trying to tell me that this unjust judge is going to be better than a loving savior? It can't happen. (laughs) He's asking you to contrast how this unjust judge will eventually yield and give you what you're asking for and say to you that this is not the loving father that you know. He will give you what you're asking for. Your problem is that you're praying and getting up and not thinking about that thing again. And the Lord is saying, I don't want you to treat prayer like that. I want you to treat prayer like you're praying and you're going to keep praying. You're not going to faint. You're not going to be dejected. You're not going to give up. You're not going to quit. You're going to keep praying until you get a breakthrough. Thank you, Lord Jesus. It's amazing to me that her persistence changed the balance of power. <laughs> look, look, her persistence turned her from being an exploited, vulnerable citizen to changing and shifting a judge's mind. <laughs> you don't have the position of weakness if you're persistent. They've got to listen to you eventually if you're persistent. If you keep going, if you don't quit, if you don't faint. The judge has to listen to you. The loving father will hear you cry. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Her persistence changed the balance of the relationship. All of a sudden, this judge was doing what he could to get out of the situation. (laughs) All of a sudden, this woman who was the weakest part of society was influencing the strongest part of society, not because of faith, but because of persistence. Keep going with your prayer, saints. Don't give up. You're praying for family. You're praying for yourself. You're praying for co-workers. Don't quit. She didn't see, in the scripture, there is no indication that this is what would, would happen. She just was left with no other opportunity but just to keep praying, to keep going back to the judge. I'm not asking you to find a clue that this is the right thing to do. I'm asking you to be faithful and don't faint. I have one more scripture to back this one up. In fact, I have a couple, but I may just get to one today. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Let's go to Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10, what persistent prayer can do. That's what I'm kind of into today. What prayer can do to change the balance of relationships. What prayer can do to change the balance of a situation. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Sometimes I think we we think prayer is magic. So when we pray the prayer, we expect the solution to be at our back as we do. And I'm starting to realize that prayer isn't so much about producing the outcome you want. It's about giving you vision and direction for the outcome you want. Then you can get up and go do that thing. Like, I think sometimes we want prayer 
for ourselves to be the thing that um, it, it kind of just going to be fixed when we get up. Sometimes we have to pray that thing into existence. Acts chapter 10. Let's go to Acts chapter 10. This is the Acts of the Apostles. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian Band. He's a centurion of a regiment of, 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 of soldiers called the Italian Band. This is a regiment of soldiers. He has authority. This guy has a bit of authority here. He's a centurion. He looks after some cohort of soldiers. Verse 2. He was, the scripture says, he's a devout man and one that feared God with all his house. And listen to what it says. Which gave alms to the people. And the last part of the sentence of verse 2 is incredibly important. And prayed to God always. Like... I like that it didn't even put the S on the end. Like, I like to think about that in every way. Like, I don't even care what I'm doing, I'm praying. I remember mom and dad, mom especially, she would, as she goes out the door, shopping for five minutes down the road, lean against the door, and pray her going out, and when she came back in, she would lean on that same doorpost and give thanks for her coming in. We have to do this sometimes. Thank you, Jesus. We've got folks coming up and down the highways. We assume everything's going to be fine, but we know now in this COVID moment that it, that might not be true. We've got, a, we've got danger everywhere. So this man was a praying man. <laughs> he prayed and prayed. I like to think he just prayed in every opportunity he had. Maybe he was on, out on, on, on maneuvers with his soldiers, praying. <laughs> I can imagine him coming home, looking after his household, praying. I'm, I'm grateful to be home now. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We don't even know what, what dangers he was seeing and not seeing as he was on platoon, with his platoon and he's moving and doing stuff for his army. But we know he was a praying man. You know one of the things that I want to dispel, that somehow you're less tough if you, if you pray? That, that couldn't be further from the truth. It's, it's, the, it's the toughest warriors that pray. Let's get that in there right now. It's not... It's not, you're not, it's not somehow less masculine to pray. It is more masculine to pray. <laughs> True power is in prayer. If you're foregoing prayer, you're giving up one of your key weapons. <laughs> Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So he's a devout man. One that fears God. One that gives alms to the poor, gives charitably to the poor. That's why I, I think I kind of, that's why I constantly like this idea of us giving to those who can't help themselves. It's, it's tied into scripture everywhere. And he says to the people and pray to God always. Verse 3, he saw in a vision evidently about the ninth hour of the day. About three o'clock in the afternoon he has a vision. And an angel of God coming into him and saying to him, Cornelius. <laughs> I can only imagine what he was doing at three o'clock in the afternoon. He was probably praying right then. And so the angel had to come in and call his name and say, Cornelius. Thank you, Lord Jesus. For me, there's an there's a urgency to this call. Cornelius, I need your attention right now. Thank you, Lord Jesus. 
Verse 4, and when he looked on him, he was afraid and said, what is, it, what is it, Lord? And he said unto him, thy prayers, listen to this, thy prayers and thine arms are come up for a memorial before God. I'm going to read that again. Thine prayers and thine arms are come up for a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa and call for one Simon, whose surname is Peter. So from his prayer, Cornelius doesn't have an answer. Cornelius has an instruction and a direction. Cornelius, the angel doesn't tell Cornelius, you know what, you should be baptized right now. That's not what the, the angels, that's what the angel says. That's the answer to the prayer, but it's not what gets has. The, the angel comes to Cornelius and says, go send for that man. And he'll tell you what you need to hear. So what am I saying? We think that prayer sometimes should come with a, a light bell, a lightning a bell that tings off that gives us the answer. And the Lord's telling us, I'm giving you direction out of your prayer that's going to lead you to your solution for the thing you're praying for. <laughs> and the other thing I want to bring up here, <laughs> before I take my seat, the part that I love about this verse more than anything else in verse 10, it says, thine arms, thine prayers and thine arms are come up for a memorial before God. What is a memorial? A memorial is something, especially a structure, established to remind people of somebody or something. The scripture is telling us that his prayer has transformed into a memorial. A memorial is a structure. Established to remind somebody of a person or event or a thing. Your prayers create structures in front of God. I want you to I want you to know about the power of prayer today. Of continual prayer. It's designed to put in God a reminder that I'm talking about something down here. Lord, I'm asking you to remember, and he's not forgetting nothing, but I need you to know that when you pray, we have this horrible sinking feeling that it's just praying into the air and that no one's on the other end listening. And I need to dispel that for you right now because your prayer is doing more than just speaking in that instance to God. It's helping build up structures in front of him to remind him of what it is you're doing. Your prayer is building on prayer, on prayer, on prayer, on building and structures are raising themselves up in front of God. <laughs> this memorial, this remembrance of the thing you're going through. You thought you prayed to God about that thing that you were going to and you thought somehow it was forgotten. <laughs> and I'm here to tell you that prayer <laughs> is building up He's building up in front of God as a structure that reminds him of what you're going through. And I'm starting to think right now that the, the angel was sent to Cornelius almost by way of letting him know, you know what, you prayed 
and you're, you broke through. Okay. The structure is here now. Yes, yes, yes. Like I'm answering that structure. Yes. I'm responding to your prayer. Yes, your prayers are not going out into the ether. They're not like the wind. The wind has never built anything. The best thing a wind has done is knocked it down. But your prayers are not like wind. Your prayers are constructive. Don't just quit after you've pre- prayed the first prayer. Maybe the memorial's too small. <laughs> Maybe you haven't built it up high enough yet. You need to keep praying, develop up the structure. And so that's why I say prayer is also a collective exercise, something we do together. Why? Because we'll build the structure faster. Your prayer on top of my prayer now. On top of your prayer, on top of my prayer. Our structure's being built up. The memorial you didn't even know was there is being built up before God. And the angel has to come and say, hey, hey, Cornelius, Brother Jonathan, Sister Tanya, Sister Sonia, he hears you. Your structure's built now. He's heard your cry, but you quit too quickly. Don't quit. Go back to Luke. What does he say again in Luke? And he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not faint. Don't you quit on your prayer. Something is being built in the eternal. Something is being built in the eternal that you cannot see. It is a memorial that is not meant for your eyes. It is a memorial meant for spiritual eyes only. But I want you to I want you to, by faith, believe that the Lord is hearing your prayer. He's acknowledging your prayer. Don't quit just because you don't see the memorial. All that matters to me is that the Lord sees it and that He hears that he understands and he's not unjust like the unjust judge he's going to give us what we are asking for but we have to pray and not faint and ask the Lord to bless us and to keep us in prayer and ask the minister to come and close in the name of the Lord Jesus bless us in Jesus name thank you Jesus